Greg Abbott on Fox to kind of highlight the point. What Texas is doing is just very simple. And, and, and that is because the Biden administration has really, truly abdicated its responsibility to secure the border and enforce the laws. Texas very simply is securing the border. And so we put up the razor wire that you were talking about, Bill, and, and we put up all these barricades that actually have denied illegal entry. Uh, and as you pointed out also in that screen, that there are criminals coming across our border. Texas has a right as a state to stop criminals from coming into our state, to make arrests of those criminals. Uh, and we have National Guard, as well as Texas Department of Public Safety officers who are there to make those arrests and to deny illegal entry. And Joe Biden actually does have an option here. Joe Biden's option is to enforce the laws of the United States and stop this illegal entry. Wow. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. It's pretty Imagine bold, that. pretty simple, pretty clear. Now, let me be a thousand percent clear on this point. I want everybody to understand. I support Greg Abbott. Many say he's only selectively enforcing it's all for show. They don't trust Greg. They feel like he's uh, not doing the right thing. Uh, I disagree and say that he has every right to stand up and make the point of state sovereignty, as did Sheriff Richard Mack's case precede that. We need to get uh, the Sheriff Mack Prince case to uh, Greg Abbott because that is one of his greatest tools he could use to highlight this point. It's true when it comes to the sovereignty of sheriffs to not carry out federal mandates. The same is true here locally. They have the right of self-defense. It's a God-given inalienable right that even precedes the supreme law of the land. Uh, so, Sheriff, I, I, what do you think? We need to get your case to Greg Abbott. Well, way back when he was fighting Obama, I personally handed him a copy of this, but uh, I think he's probably misplaced it since then. So you're right. We need to get it to all the legislators, and maybe we could get a hold of Steve Toth and get them to him and have him pass them out to everybody. Well, that's a great idea. We need to work on that, no doubt about it. Anyway, there you have it. Now, there's the big old battle on the border when it comes to this new convoy. Uh, and I support Greg Abbott, and I support us pushing hard to demand state sovereignty, to shut down yes. the federal government from taking action where they have no authority. They have action to yes. defend the border. They've failed. They don't have action to abuse Texas in the process, though. And that's where this is headed on the Joe Biden watch. However, when it comes to this uh, convoy, would you join this convoy or the convoy is the question. I say absolutely not, Sheriff. Well, it worries me. Uh, first of all, how many trucks that need to be on the road uh, providing uh, goods and services to the people across this country, how many of them are going to be in this convoy? Because we're already having a problem with our food supply in this country, and I don't want to exacerbate that. But uh, it's it still... Uh, reeks this whole thing reeks with the smell of january 6 subterfuge uh and i'm all for people protesting and i'm all for this idea of of having a rally uh, at the border and i trust the the people scotty Sachs, i trust scotty and and kim yater and all the other people that are involved in this but i don't trust the opening this provides for infiltrators to come in and create uh, a red flag situation or even worse. Uh, what is this, if this turns out worse than January 6th and the subterfuge and the dishonesty that uh, happened 
because of the infiltrators, uh, I, I, I just don't see the risk assessment being saying something, this is absolutely vital. We should take the risk. And, and I, and that's where I have a problem. Well, and so my question is, what do they hope to accomplish? Let's say that we get a million people down on the border. Let's say we force mm -hmm. every news channel to cover it for 20 minutes. Yeah. What are you yeah. going to accomplish by being there on the border? Um, that's the, 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 you know, risk reward analysis. What's the reward? And then what's the mm -hmm. risk when you have a whole section of our country controlled by the cartels you have the federal government who's literally turning out to be an enemy of the state of Texas right now. You have the state of Texas, you have the National Guard, you have uh, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, you have all kind of communist insurrectionists, you have uh, illegals that could literally, I mean, I don't know how many illegals could form on the border tomorrow uh, that are terrorists. You leave yourself subject to so many downsides that I just can't embrace the upside, Sheriff. I just can't do it. There's too many unknowns, and that is a recipe yeah. for disaster. Now, a peaceful assembly in a, a, a safe, controlled environment with security and everything else makes sense to me. This open, we're going to just all head down there and, well, we're going to pray and see what happens. This is nonviolent. You know what? You don't know that. Millions of people thought January 6th was nonviolent until they got home and watched their TVs, people who were even there, right? So yeah. this is just absolutely crazy in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think that the time and money could be spent better someplace else, but I, I do understand the need for these people to make a statement uh, to tell, uh, but who are they going to, who are they trying to convince? You're trying, literally, you're trying to convince the cartels to back off and you're, tr and you're trying to convince Joe Biden to do his job, which he hasn't done for three years. He's not going to. And, and Sam, I've said this on your show and I'm going to say it again. It was a very bold statement. But it's true, and I'm going to say it again. <clears throat> the greatest threat to our God-given American liberty and to our constitutional republic is from our own federal government. And you don't have to look any further than what the Biden administration has done uh, to the border and to America because they have not secured our border. And the, the dangers and the crimes and the deaths and the absolute subterfuge that is destroying our country is not because of the illegal aliens. It's because of the illegal president and his administration refuse to enforce the laws. And, and I will say that again, that has made this administration the greatest enemy to America. Well, Texas defending itself from lawsuits while they're dealing with an invasion because of a dereliction of duty by the president of the United States and his administration is a serious crime indeed. Uh, and in, it seems to me that, you know what, where is Mike Johnson? Where are the leaders of the House of Representatives? You know, they're spending time trying to impeach Mayorkas. I mean, that, that's child's play. Sure, he should be impeached, but we should be impeaching the president of the United States on this very issue. If it isn't for this issue, it's for plenty other issues, which we'll get into yeah. right now. So don't join the convoy, convoy. Stand for impeachment of the president for his criminal activity and dereliction of duty, to say the least. And let's introduce our guest. Thomas Havland is with us. He's a retired United States Air Force major. He has now conducted not one, but two incredible worldwide in bomber blood clot surveys is what they're called. Uh, and all I can tell you is when you look at these surveys that were conducted at the end of 2022 and 2023, 
you are shocked about the documentation that he's put together about these unusual blood clotting issues that embalmers have discovered that are very likely because of the vaccines. Another criminal, this brings in Donald and Joe uh, as criminals, in my opinion, in this regard. Uh, but we'll talk about it. Tom Hamlin, welcome to the Sheriff Mack Show, sir. Sheriff Mack, Sam, thanks for having me on the show to talk about this very important topic. Absolutely. All right. You want to kick this off, Sheriff Mack? Well, I, I, I uh, was talking with Tom yesterday and, you know, we've had a, a few conversations the past few weeks while we've been trying to set him up to be on the show. And this is a very important topic. Uh, quite frankly, uh, one of the most important in the world. Uh, it seems like there's always something else going on with the Biden administration that, that uh, we need to be talking about. And it gets more insane every day. But uh, actually, Sam, I don't know if you remember this. When I was going uh, uh, to BYU, I lived at uh, Walker Mortuary on uh, 86 East I 300 South. <laughs> and my wife and I lived quiet. there because we got, we got free rent and free utilities. And I, I had to help with uh, picking up bodies. And uh, I was already working part-time also for Provo Police Department. And in so doing, I would help Stuart go get the bodies and we'd come back and put them in the embalming room. Uh, and if I wanted to, I could stay and watch the embalming. And I did. And it was quite educational after I got through some of the gory, bloody stuff. But it, it was very interesting. And now we have an expert that's going to talk to us and show us pictures of all these horrible embalmings. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad I'm prepared, Tom. I'm glad I'm prepared. But thank you so much for being with I'm us. I'm glad and you're not squeamish there, Sheriff Mack. Yeah. Uh, I might this all came to out, my attention. Know? This all came to yeah, my to, attention. Yeah, in, this uh... might be bad for Sam. Close your eyes, Sam. But, uh, <laughs> but, but go ahead and tell us what you have. Sure. This all started for me, by the way, in the fall of 2022, when the movie Died Suddenly came out. It was about an hour-long documentary, and about half the movie is devoted to these six or seven embalmers that said they were finding these strange white fibrous clots in their corpses that they'd never seen before. So I decided to do a survey. I'm a retired Air Force guy. I'm a data guy. I decided to do a survey to see whether or not these six or seven embalmers were a bunch of kooks or whether they really were telling the truth. So I uh, did a survey with a friend of mine. Uh, she put it into SurveyMonkey, and it, it sent out the survey to over 1,700 funeral homes around the world directly, Sheriff Mack. And then yeah. we also sent it to 50 uh, national, regional, and state funeral director associations, each with hundreds of members under them, you know, uh, trying to maximize the number of results. In our first survey that was completed last January, uh, we determined uh, three main conclusions came out of that. Of uh, the 179 embalmers that responded to that first survey, 119 of them, almost exactly two-thirds, 66%, said they were indeed seeing these strange white fibrous clots in their corpses. The, uh, now, let next me stop you there. How many were surveyed and how many responded? 179 responded to the survey out of the thousands I sent it out to. And of those 179, 119 said they saw the white fibrous clots. 66% of the embalmers who responded. Then the majority of the embalmers also said that they started seeing these clots in 2021, which is after the COVID-19 vaccines came out. 
And the, maybe the most shocking result of that first survey was that some of these embalmers, Sheriff Mack and Sam, were seeing their, uh, these white fibrous clots in up to 50% or more of their corpses. So this is not a rare phenomenon. Uh, it's, it, it showed it was quite prevalent. So that now, leads Tom, me to the second also survey. Shows, this yeah. also shows the death rate of whatever's happening um, to these people to give these clots, the death rates directly related to these clots as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen excess mortality of about 10%. Yeah. We've seen excess mortality, strangely enough, in only countries that were highly COVID vaccinated of about 10% or more over the last three years. Countries that, have, that do not have high vaccination rates for COVID are not having any problems with excess mortality at all. So you can make of that what you will, but it leads me to a conclusion that it might be the jabs that are doing this. So that led me to the second survey. So Hunter, you can go ahead and put that first slide back up. Yeah, uh, this uh, second survey I conducted from the 8th of December through the 8th of January of this year. And you can go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, this one, uh, the first question we asked the embalmers is, well, how many years have you been an embalmer? As you can see there, quite a few of the embalmers have over 20 years of experience with an average of, of about 15 years. And this is a good thing, right? Because they know what the blood looked like uh, before COVID came along with all those years of experience. They also know what the blood looked like in 2020 when we had COVID but no vaccines yet. And then they know what the blood looks like since 2020 on to present when we had both the COVID virus and the vaccines. Next slide. We then asked them, well, how many uh, bodies do you embalm per year? As you can see there, if you average the bars together, you get 100 corpses per year. Um, so these embalmers know what they're, they know what they're seeing, you know, for example, uh, one of the embalmers from the Died Suddenly movie, Mr. Richard Hirschman, who I'm in contact with on a pretty much a weekly basis, Richard's a trade embalmer, and he actually embalms for 12 different funeral homes, and he'll do sometimes two or three bodies a day. So he's probably one of those that answered over, uh, over 300. He's probably one of those embalmers that's, you know, embalmed at least 300 a year. Next slide. So they see bodies on a regular basis. Uh, again, we asked them this year, the same question we asked last year, did you see the white fibrous clots this year during 2023? Look at that result, gentlemen. Of the 269 embalmers that responded to this year's survey, 197 of them, 73%, are still seeing these white fibrous clots. And that's about the same percentage as I said we're seeing them last year. Now, that could be kind of alarming in a way, right, because we know most Americans are a couple of years out from their last COVID vaccine shot. Most Americans, about 80%, according to the CDC, 80% of Americans over the age of 18 took at least the first two jabs back in 2021. However, only 20% of American adults took the bivalent Omicron booster that came out uh, in the fall of 2022, and even less embalmers took the, it's not embalmers, even less Americans took the, uh, XBB yeah. 1.5 booster that came out this last fall of 2023. So that can be an alarming stat, you know, if if the uh, vaccines are the cause of these clots, that we're still seeing them two years removed from most people getting their last jabs. Next slide. The next a natural question after we ask them, did you see the clots? Okay, what percentage of corpses did you see these white fibrous clots in, in the year 2023? And if you take all the bars there and you average them together, including the green bar where 63 embalmers saw none, you get an average of about 20% of the corpses containing these white fibrous clots. So like I said, this is not a rare issue. They're seeing quite a few corpses. I guess the good news is, is that's down from 30% in 2020 to 40% in 
2022 when they answered the survey last year. But like I said, as you get further and further away from people taking their last COVID jabs, you might expect the percentage of clots to go down. My fear is, gentlemen, if uh, Big Farm is planning on putting out more mRNA-based shots using the lipid nanoparticle technology in the next few years, one for the flu, one for shingles, one for the RSV virus. And if this technology is what res is responsible for these white fibrous clots, we can see that percentage go right back up again. And as I right. said in, in the note there, embalmers saw none of these white fibrous clots in the years prior to COVID or the vaccines. In fact, for your audience here, this is what the clots look like. This is a sample given to me by Mr. Richard Hirschman, the trade embalmer who was in the Died Suddenly film. And there you can see the nasty, nasty looking clots, right? If now, is that from one person? Is that from one person? From one, yeah, this is from one person. And historically, mm -hmm. uh, embalmers have seen uh, what's called grape jelly clots. They look like grape jelly and they dissolve easily in your hands if you rub them together. Mm -hmm. They've also seen historically uh, something called chicken fat clots, which are yellowish in color, smaller, and they tear very easily. Much, much different than these white fibrous clots that are long, large, tough, you know, rubbery, hard to break. So you can go back to the slides, well, let Hunter. You, let me ask you something yeah. right there. Um, first of all, sure. with all of these uh, fibrous clots, was there any survey at all, or was that uh, distorted by the local health departments as to how and what cause of death were these ever used uh, in, in determining the cause of death of any of these corpses, of any of these people? Well, first of all, the uh, uh, not as many aut autopsies are being done as should be done in cases where younger people are dying and the death is somewhat mysterious. I think yeah. unless the uh, police suspect foul play, there tends not to be an autopsy. So a lot of these cases, the embalmers believe that the coroners and medical examiners are missing a lot of these clots when they're doing uh, examinations of the body because they're looking mm -hmm. for things like toxicology reports to see if somebody OD'd on a drug or something like that. They're not cutting into the veins and arteries to see what's going on inside the blood vessels. So the embalmers, a lot of them are convinced that the, the coroners uh, and medical examiners are missing this, and the embalmers are really the only ones that are seeing it. So, wow. yeah, it's an unfortunate yeah, it's an unfortunate thing going on. So well, um, we can go ahead and go then to oh, yeah. send it to them. Actually, uh, Go back to that last slide, Hunter. Okay. Uh, actually, I think we have finished with that slide. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Hunter. One of the other phenomena that the embalmer said they were seeing is microclotting in their corpses, and they don't describe it that way. They actually, to them, it looks like what looks like coffee grounds or what they call dirty blood coming off the drainage of the corpse as they're draining the blood right. off and trying to get the embalming fluid in, the formaldehyde in. They see what looks like right. coffee ground in, in the blood. So this is evidence of a phenomenon called microclotting, which can be just as dangerous as these large white fibrous clots that you know tend to stroke you out and give you a heart attack. The microclotting happens at the capillary level, and it can block the exchange of oxygen at the lungs, for example, to get the oxygen, and then block the carrying of that oxygen to the rest of the major organs of the body, you know, including your brain and your eyes. You, know, you have very small capillaries in your eyes that, that feed your eyes oxygen. So this can be just as uh, serious a phenomenon. And look at the percentage, gentlemen. 212 of the 269 embalmers that responded to this year's survey, 79% are seeing this microclotting phenomenon in their corpses. Next slide. 
Before you go on, I want to insert this. There's a significant number, though, that still say they don't see anything. And I guess I would like to have a conversation with them to say, now that this is brought to their attention, do they notice it? Uh, why don't they, you know, why don't they see it? Have they had somebody who uh, is experienced with this? Um, the one gentleman you mentioned that gave you the the sample uh, showing this, um, you know, could could help. Tra- you know, is it is it that we need like a trained eye for some of this or is it that it's not happening to their patients? It's got to be one or the other. It's it's not there. They're not seeing it because it's really not there. Or maybe they're just not trained to uh, spot it, right? Yeah, I'm not going to speculate. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was depending on the honesty of all the embalmers that responded. So, you know, it, it does cross your mind, though, why such a large percentage are seeing these phenomena and others say they're not. I don't want to, I don't want to call them liars, but it is. What's interesting is at the very end of the survey, we had an optional comments box that the embalmers could, could uh, write uh, you know, more, in more detail what they're seeing in the embalming room. And what's interesting about that is in nowhere in either of my surveys, in either the survey instructions nor in the questions themselves, do I ever mention the words COVID or COVID vaccine? I only ask the embalmers, what are you seeing? When did you see it? And how much are you seeing? You know, what percentage of your corpses you're seeing it in? But despite the fact that I never mentioned COVID or the vaccines, quite a few of the embalmers in that comments section at the end either implicated the vaccines as the cause of these white fibrous clots and the microclotting, or they defended the vaccines as not causing it, even though I never mentioned it in the survey. Oh so I thought gosh. that was interesting. Why would you defend the vaccines and uh, not being the cause of it when it's not even brought up? I don't understand that. Because they're Democrats. Well, they're, trying to support, they're trying to support what's going on. They're Democrats. They're politically correct. My God. I, I have a little story, but we can talk about that story right now if you want me to. Go when ahead. Yes, sir. Survey, and when I sent out the survey, uh, start, this latest one, I sent it out on the 8th of December. And about and I sent it out to the world. Like I said, 1,700 funeral homes, 50 uh, funeral director associations around the world. After five days, I only had f- uh, about 14 responses in my survey monkey collectors. And I said, oh, no, what's going on here? You know, I need more responses than this. So I phoned each of the 30 U.S. state funeral director associations I sent it to. I sent the survey to the top 30 states by population in the United States, their funeral director associations, each with hundreds of members under them. And I asked, Mm -hmm. so I called each of them up, like I said, about a week after I sent out the survey. And I said, and I talked to either their president or their secretary or somebody else in their office. I said, you know, would you please uh, mail out my survey with the survey link, you know, so that your embalmers in your state can take the survey. Well, God bless the Pennsylvania Funeral Directors Association, headed up by Executive Director Kathy Ryan and a Miss Allison Hinkle and another lady named Sue in their office. They did just what I asked them. They forwarded my survey to all the embalmers in their organization, in their state. And I know that because the next day I got up and in my survey monkey collectors, I saw 93 responses and they were all from Pennsylvania. And then I checked it the next day and I saw another 32 responses, and they were all from Pennsylvania. So in two days, I got 125 responses from embalmers in the state of of Pennsylvania, which told me two things, gentlemen. First of all, it told me that embalmers actually want to tell you what they're seeing in the embalming room if if they feel like they have the permission of their funeral director boss or their state funeral director association. But remember, I sent that to 30 state funeral directors associations. So it also told me there were 29 state funeral director associations who were suppressing this information, not getting the survey down to their embalmers to even take in the first place. And I suspect this uh, may be going on for a couple of reasons. I think maybe the funeral directors 
association presidents themselves, they're usually funeral directors themselves, right? They elect one of their own to be the president of the association for their state. Well, they may have mandated that all their employees, including their embalmers, get the COVID-19 vaccine. Would you want to participate in a survey that might show there's a link between the timing of when this, the uh, COVID-19 vaccines came out and all this unusual blood clotting, like these white fibrous clots and microclotting that the embalmers are seeing, especially if one of your employees got injured by the, by the vaccine. You might be setting yourself up for a, a lawsuit, right? Also, as I said earlier, 80% of Americans took the COVID-19 vaccine. So many of these association presidents and funeral director home directors may have taken the vaccine themselves. And there might be a little cognitive dissonance going on personally. They may not want to know the answer to the survey if they themselves have taken the vaccine. So just a couple of reasons. Well, and if, if we see from the media, Tom, too, anybody who stands up for what they believe in against the vaccine uh, is absolutely ridiculed, ran out of town on a rail, virtually speaking, uh, or, you know, whatever. No matter what, it destroys their career. It destroys, I mean, even basketball players that said, I don't want to take the vaccine personally. I'm not here to judge anybody else. I don't even want to take it personally. They're literally banned from their career, banned from their sport, shut down. And so when funeral directors see that kind of behavior, they're like, why would I put my head above the turret? I'm just not doing it. Excellent point, Sam. Exactly. That's another good reason why they would be reluctant to. In fact, to try to quell that, we allowed the embalmers to uh, answer the survey anonymously. We turned off the IP tracking feature in SurveyMonkey and just allowed them to respond. We did, we did ask them in our first question, what state are you from? But uh, other than that, we have no idea who the embalmers were that responded. Other than what, what Now, there is, there is speculation about different batches of the vaccine behaving differently. Some of them may be placebo. Some of them may have a stronger strain or uh, anyway, uh, what credibility there is to some of that, I don't know. But I bring this up because are you seeing regional differences in what they're seeing as well? Because that might relate yeah. to the batches people are getting. That's right, Sam. And unfortunately, though, we didn't get enough responses, even though we got 269 responses. Like I said, half of them in the U.S. were from one state, Pennsylvania, 128 of the uh, total responses. So we just didn't get enough information to determine regionality, which we would have liked to have seen if we could determine. But in the re few responses we got, we got uh, from all areas of the country and from blue states and red states, we got embalmers that said they were seeing the clots and embalmers that said they were not seeing the clots. And like I said, about a 70 to 30 ratio, 70% saying they're yeah, seeing the I'd clots. I'd like to run the ground. I'd like to run the ground who's not seeing the clots. I'd like to pair them with somebody who is seeing the clots and point it out Hey, are you seeing this and see if they say no or if they say, I'd like to do that, number one. Number two, I'd like to see if there's some regional differences. And number three, I'd like to drill into all these other associations and say, hey, you know what? Are you going to follow Pennsylvania's lead and, you know what, get this to your embalmers? Uh, this is a critical survey that, that needs Sam. to happen. I did that in my final email. I sent out three emails, three rounds of emails encouraging the, uh, people to take the survey and the, and the association presidents. And after I sent out my my third one, I kind of I kind of pressured them a little bit. I said, "Hey, Pennsylvania is uh, you know uh, making you guys look bad. They're 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 they've got all kinds of uh, embalmers responding, but you guys are you know you're falling way behind." And a couple of them took some uh, yeah they they were offended by that. <laughs> they said, "Well, that means we're, oh, we're not going to participate in your survey at all." <laughs> they had no intention. What's what's interesting is I got an email from the uh, executive director of the um, British Columbia, 
Funeral Directors Association. So he he single-handedly decided for his entire province that they would not be participating in the survey. Wasn't that nice of him? I, I would like to have information, you know, like coming out of major cities like Vancouver, but couldn't get it because we, he made. What if we start contacting embalmers to see if uh, any of them will buck the blackout? Well, that, that, like I said, using the bottom-up approach by going through the funeral homes allowed me to get responses from the other states when they were blocked by the funeral director associations. That's why I did use a, a two-prong approach. Uh, there was also, an, uh, the what was interesting is I sent the survey to about 400 funeral homes in about 15 major cities in the UK and six uh, different uh, funeral director associations, one of which was the National Association of Funeral Directors of the UK, they're the largest organization. And they sent me back an email saying they were declining to participate in the survey. They said, we'll let the British Institute of Embalmers answer for us. Well, I'd already sent an email to the British Institute of Embalmers, you know, asking them to take the survey as well. But why would the National Association of Funeral Directors in the UK, with hundreds of members, you know, funeral directors and embalmers, not want to take the survey? Like I said, which is non-controversial. It only asks the embalmers, what are you seeing? When did you see it? And how much? So yeah, they that know, story. though. They, they know what yeah. this is about, though. I mean, exactly. It, yeah. Basically, just because of the timing. Uh, you know, they know right. what they know what they're doing. Right. And they've already heard about this stuff before, too. And this yeah. is not a big surprise. But now, uh, what, from an experienced watcher of embalmings, I would say that there's not a lot of, uh, there's some embalmers that really aren't watching for anything. And if it's, if it's a small, so that brings me to my other question. How big are those fibrous clots that we're looking at in that in other words how noticeable and obvious are they they have pulled clots out of people like this that are two or three feet long like out of people's legs and they've pulled them out of oh, live gosh. people as well so it's hard to deny now, this how, point wide, that how, how wide are they is it three or four centimeters or is it it looks like it's too big to fit in a vein no it's not it's it's it, it can fit in a vein <laughs> it takes yeah. that's what happens when the person dies it's because it's taken up the whole vein and blocked the total blockage of the blood flow and caused the person to have a, a heart attack or a stroke that's what's going on here so yeah. yeah and the embalmers are assisted that the clots there's been some speculation the clots may be forming after death as opposed to only after death but the embalmers insist yeah. no that can't be true because they're picking up bodies that are only an hour or two old so they're still warm and they're still finding these clots in them. So there's no way that these clots could have formed in somebody in just a one or two hours after the person went deceased. They're, they're insistent no. that the clots, and they may be forming after death as well, but they're certainly forming prior to death. So, so the next step, yeah. in my opinion, is to escalate this survey into a true fact-finding mission. Maybe get this information to Rand Paul as he quizzes down Anthony Fauci and tries to prosecute for criminal activity. We've got to well, somehow tie this together in a meaningful way, though. This can't go unchecked, Tom. Well, I've sent the information the day after I had the survey done on the 8th of January. I sent it off on the 9th to the CDC, FDA, and NIH, uh, asking them to please you know, look into this. They didn't do it last year. I also, though, sent it to some of our uh, people that are on our side in this front. Uh, Steve Kirsch from the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. I sent it to Edward Dowd, who's been looking at this thing from the insurance angle, from the vaccine deaths and disabilities. I sent it to Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she used some of that information for a uh, hearing that she had with Dr. Peter McCullough. I also sent it to Peter McCullough himself. I've sent the information to Andrew Bridgen, 
who's the uh, member of parliament over in the UK who stands by himself in the chamber and talks about vaccine injury. I've sent it to Dr. Joe Latipo, the senior surgeon general from Florida. And like I said, I've sent it to Rand Paul as well. So I'm trying to get this information into the, I've sent it to what RFK. About Barbara Lowe Fisher? What about Barbara Lowe Fisher from the National Vaccine Information Center? I have not yet. If you want to pass me that information, I'll do that, Sam. Yeah, so, nvic.org is where you go. Barbara Lowe Fisher is her name, and she will probably publish your results in certain ways in her newsletter. I mean, I can't promise I don't speak for her, but I'm telling you, she's true blue, yeah. and she's been around for a long time, and she will tell the story. I'm, I'm confident. Thank you. So the latest I've email had, that I'm I got from awesome. her, the yeah. latest email I got from her was today, by the way, uh, on, a, on a group list, by the way, and it basically says, hey, the state of Texas now is forcing the CDC to release texts all related to their safety and vaccine program because they're convinced that there's there's a, a bunch of betrayal texts in there highlighting what they knew and when and uh, and virtually the cover-up of of you know saying that hey it's all safe and effective and everything else this will expose a lot of that and barbara low fisher at 909 shot is what i call it because that's when i grew up that's what it was called it's nvic.org um, anyway, she spoke out on that just today. So Texas, again, doing a great job on the border. Texas, again, doing a great job trying to dig into these yeah. um, vaccine cover-ups as well. Absolutely. And Ken Paxton is actually suing Pfizer for an adulterated product. He's looking at the uh, Pfizer vaccine and the issue of the uh, plasma DNA and the SV40 uh, promoter sequence that, uh, the, that Pfizer failed to identify to the FDA when they ask for emergency use authorization of this product. So the product is not as advertised and they're suing Pfizer for that. Um, so Tom, yeah. I've, got, I've, I've, got another, yeah. I've got another point here then. Is there uh, any, in your any of your research, is there anyone that's saying after you take the vax to prevent or get rid of these blood clots, is there any remedy to get rid of those clots that you've heard of in all this research you've done. Yeah, there are scientists working on that problem all over the world, obviously, because a lot of people are, are experiencing these clots. Uh, people can go to uh, Dr. Peter McCullough's website, and uh, he has a what he calls a detox protocol that can be used. Uh, so if they go there, that's they can see the, the uh, medications he's using and the proper dosage amounts. So I, I advise them to wow. go to Peter McCullough's site. Well, at least there's you know, a little bit of, of good we, news there. Yeah. In terms of how the clots are forming, we believe what's happening is the spike protein, either from the virus itself or the vaccine, when it gets into the blood, is... Or both. Is, is, yeah, exactly. Is damaging the endothelial lining. It's a, it's a thin layer of single cells lining of the inner walls of your blood vessels. And when they get inflamed yeah. or damaged, they trigger clotting in, in that blood vessel. And they right. actually uh, trigger the, the churning of fibrinogen, fibrinogen which is lit in liquid form, into a solid called fibrin, which is white in color. And that aggregates mm -hmm. with uh, platelets as well, which are colorless in your bloodstream. And then we believe this amyloid protein, A-M-Y-L-O-I-D, amyloid protein material is also forming. It's basically a fancy term for misshaped or misfolded protein, proteins that become difficult for your body to break down with our natural enzyme plasmin. We all have this natural enzyme plasma. It can break down normal clotting, but when the clot's misshapenly folded, then it, it, it has a hard time attaching and the clots tend to persist. But what we think happened in the, with the advent of the vaccines is it supercharged that effect because the shot was supposed to stay in your deltoid muscle in your upper arm, produce just enough of the spike protein to elicit an immune response for just a couple of days to a week, and this job was be done. 
but we know now that's not what happened. That vaccine goes all over your body, turning your whole body into a spike protein factory and doing that for months. So, and they lied when they said that they knew that it would stay locally or whatever they had. There's evidence now released from court and everywhere else that basically proves they knew that that wasn't true from the beginning. Uh, It's been disastrous. All those things they told you at the beginning, you know, the fact that if you, you know, you, if you took the shot, you couldn't catch the virus or transmit it to others. That was a lie. Almost they told you that it couldn't go through mother's breast milk. That's a lie. They didn't. Like, they said like it said, couldn't they told go through the blood-brain barrier. That was a lie. Right, that, yeah, it, they, tons and tons of lies. And, and I, I fault no Americans for taking the shot because they did it out of the goodness of their heart because they thought they were not going to kill grandma. Yeah, of course. But it turns out well, they, and they, they also they were, thought they could trust they could trust the medical establishment, which we've now proven globally speaking, you cannot trust them at all. Now they're pushing for more jabs globally and trying to use international law to make the point. But I want to look at your second survey, the second primary finding. This is really, really sad, folks. Embalmers have also noticed an increase in infant deaths compared to years prior. Yeah, let's to the COVID, let's go back COVID to the vaccine. Slide, this is bad. Go ahead and the uh, next slide. And the microclotting, by the way, was found in 25% of the corpses. So that's a, that's a prevalent phenomenon too. Uh, we asked uh, the same question we asked last year about grape jelly clots. Those are traditional je- clots that embalmers have been seen forever. Those were 40% in 2023. Go to the next slide. And go ahead to the next slide, Hunter. And you'll see that that was actually about 30% in the years prior to COVID and the COVID vaccine. So not a great increase, but still a a significant enough increase that that's troubling too. There's been an increase in the grape jelly clots. And there's also been, not just in number, but also the viscosity. They're more like grape jam, what the embalmers uh, described to me now. Go ahead to the next slide that Sam was talking about. Yeah, one of the really alarming things, gentlemen, is a lot of the embalmers talked to me about Hey, I've seen an increase in infant deaths too. And that's sad, isn't it? Miscarriages, fetal demises, stillborns, SIDS cases. Now, I guess the good news is, is the longer bar there, most of the embalmers did not see that phenomenon. There could be a reason for that though, because uh, a lot of times the, the body is not presentable uh, from, a, from a fetal demise case. Uh, many of the embalmers are also telling me that there's a lot more cremations these days of infants. And obviously if you're cre- cremating an infant, and there is any clotting going on inside the infant, that evidence is destroyed, right, from the cremation. Also, the embalmers have told me that some of the hospitals have changed their policies, and they seem to be swooping in a little bit more quickly these days when there is a a, a event that happens at the hospital to tell the parents, hey, you know, we'll get rid of the, we'll, we'll dispose of the remains for you. And you can imagine a couple that's in shock, right? They're ready for this happy situation of the birth of their child, and then it turns disastrous. And then in the middle of their shock, the hospital offers to uh, dispose of the remains. And the couple probably says, yeah, I just want this all to go away. So that could be also hiding any uh, clotting that's going on. Go to the next slide, though, Hunter. And we'll, of the uh, embalmers who did see uh, an increase in infant deaths, uh, they saw an increase of about 25%. If you average all those bars together, this time not including the blue bar. So we asked uh for just the embalmers for the yellow bar, 49 going down and average those together, about 25% uh, increase in infant deaths for those 20% of embalmers who saw this phenomenon in 2023 compared to the pre-COVID years. So this is sad too. And and we know uh, 
We've, uh, scientists have found spike protein in the breast milk a mother's going to the infant. They've also found the spike protein from the vaccine in the delivered placentas after a child is born. So this is just a very unfortunate thing that the spike protein, it looks like is getting through from the mother to the infant. So. Are we going to ever have accountability yeah. on this, Tom? We, we've, you know what? We've, your survey pretty much proves that this is a serious issue. It's scientifically backed. Uh, you can see it on the screen. You can see it with a telescope or a microscope or whatever. Um, you could document this till the cows come home. But there's a big difference between knowing something's happening or something occurred different from what they told us versus prosecutions and making people accountable. Is there going to ever be any accountability for Fauci or uh, this kind of stuff? You know, I don't know. It's been three or four years now, and these people have skated away without uh, any kind. And it appears that they have perjured themselves in, in front of Congress. Congress, you know, they, they've been very undependable the last three or four years. Big Pharma has certainly been undependable, and especially our regulatory agencies, the FDA and the CDC, who are supposed to protect us, have been very undependable. The fact that me, a retired Air Force major, has to do a survey that the FDA and CDC should be doing themselves right? They should be doing this, not me. The fact they haven't been doing that tells me that you can't find a problem if you don't go looking for it. Well, and not only have they not done that, even when they've been given the information, in other words, even when someone's opened the door and said, look, there's causal, there's effect here. There's, they're literally shutting it down. They're not doing anything to even advance what has been virtually shown to them with proof, right? I know. And as I said earlier, this is dangerous, right? Because big pharma's Going right a lot. Moderna has about 40 shots in the pipeline for the next few years that are based on this mRNA lipid nanoparticle technology, which may, and I say may be the cause of these white fibrous clots and microclotting issues, amongst all these other things like turbo cancers, you know, palsies, miscarriages, uh, myocarditis. You know, this is just one of the side effects, the, the blood clotting issues, uh, autoimmune diseases. This, this uh, vaccine appears to be damaging people in a whole host of ways. And I'm just talking about one of them. So it's now, very Tom, unfortunate. Uh, what, yeah. what, uh, uh, what did you do for the military? What was your job? Uh, did, did this? I was an electrical engineer in the military. I worked uh, with uh, aircraft over my 36 years. I, I did 20 years in the Air Force, 16 years as a defense contractor. During that 36 years, I worked with really neat aircraft like the F-16, the F-22, the F-117 stealth fighter. And whenever we did analysis as an engineer and we saw a problem in one of the systems like communication systems, radar systems, electronic warfare, or even things like landing gear, we would bring this information immediately to the attention of our superior officers. And if they, failed to, if they failed to look at this information, it could cause airplanes to fall out of the sky and pilots to die. So in the same vein, I've got information now that I think the FDA and CDC need to look at because if the failure to look at it could be catastrophic, right? Just as the same way it is in the Air Force, if they fail to look at important data, they could cause an airplane to crash. Well, but but your, this is your work in the military wasn't controlled by politicians who were totally corrupt. That's right. right. They cared about their pilots. They wanted to keep airplanes flying <laughs> and they right. wanted to win the war. So. What's the we best website if people want to get involved in your work, uh, Tom? What's the best uh, website if, for people to get involved and or to take this research to people they know? Uh, contact me at thomashaviland at sbcglobal.net. 
I'm happy to talk to anybody that has any information that they uh, want to share, especially embalmers. I'd like to know what embalmers are seeing, whether you're seeing the clots or not, I want to know. Like I said, we had one more slide in the presentation. Uh, we asked the embalmers this year, uh, we didn't get a chance to last year, about age stratification, which groups seem to be uh, most infected with the uh, an increase in clotting, whether it's grape jelly clots, the white fibrous clots, or the uh, microclotting issue. And as you can see there, not too surprising, the longer bars are in the older age groups where, uh, you know, people tend to have problems with uh, plaque building up in their blood vessels anyways, you know, especially like the 66 to 80 year old uh, range. But one of the, uh, the, the bar that alarms me the most, gentlemen, is that 36 to 50 year old range. Pretty long bar, 89 embalmers said they saw an increase in this age group, which is an age group you usually do not associate with having strokes and heart attacks, right? Those usually don't happen until you're in your late 50s early 60s at the earliest. So this tends to really uh, dovetail nicely with Edward Dowd's data in the insurance industry, which is seeing tremendous rises in uh, death and disability in that 36 to 50 year old age group. So it kind of corroborates the survey and corroborates what Ed, Ed Dowd's finding from the insurance angle. That's it. Oh, man, oh man. Well, I, wait, 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 I got I want you to send me a present. What's that? I want one of those. I want one of those little vials with those. <laughs> I want, if, if you can share that with me, I want some of that. I want to keep that. <laughs> I've got, I'll ask my friend, Mr. Richard Hirschman. Like the, the, he sent out probably dozens of those vials to scientists all over the world, including Ryan Cole, who's looked under them in a microscope and confirmed they they are indeed made of fibrin, platelets, and this amyloid or amyloid-like material. So well. If you can get me one of those, I want one. I'll, I'll pay for it. I don't care. I would really like to have that. I, I want to do what you're doing. I want to see. I want to see that, man. I want to be able to hold that and show it to people. Well, I kind of wonder how toxic some of this stuff is when you're doing these autopsies and stuff like that. Do they have to have like extra, I don't know what you call it, hazmat gear? I don't know what the heck to say, but could this be problematic beyond just clotting could it be infectious in any way or anything else uh some of the embalmers suspect that the shedding issue is real you know we've, we've heard something about people who have been vaccinated actually shedding the vaccine onto those who are unvaccinated Understood. there's some there's some pretty good evidence out there that that may be happening and there's some uh scientists dr corey and his colleague are looking at that they have people come into their practice about 70 percent of the people come into their practice these days that are injured by the vaccine uh, spike protein. But they also have about 30% of their patients coming in who claim they were not vaccinated and are still experiencing symptoms and they live with somebody who's been vaccinated. So it's, that, that tells you that the shedding may be a real thing. Yeah. But I wonder about in autopsies and stuff like that, is there even shedding after death or is there transmission or some kind of after death even? I don't know. The embalmers, I think, are trying to be as careful as possible. You know, they wear latex gloves and uh, a lot of them wear masks because they're doing their embalming. But uh, it's possible. You know, I, I can't speculate on that at this point in time. I don't know enough about the, the shedding issue. It's kind of a mis mysterious issue. What, what can we do to help spread the word on this? I know doing a radio and a TV show is a good start and everything else. But what can the American yeah. people do? People are, feel like their hands are tied. They just feel like criminal activity is above the people on all fronts, right? And we've got to create accountability. We've got to somehow uh, bring this to ground is the best way I can describe it, Tom. 
Absolutely. I'm trying to go on as many podcasts and shows as possible, and I'll continue to do so throughout the year with the results of this survey. But remember, the last line of defense is you, the American citizen. You can, you can say no, do not comply. Do not. My advice is do not take any mRNA-based uh, shot using the lipid nanoparticle technology, whether it's for COVID, the flu, shingles, RSV, whatever. That's my personal advice that I'm giving to my family and friends. People have to make their own, own decisions. But to me, the data looks, like I said, it looks clear. Highly vaccinated countries have shown an excess mortality rate of about 10% or more over the last three years, whereas countries that were not highly vac vaccinated, like those in Africa, have no problems at all with excess mortality right now. That should tell you something. Where's Glenn Beck? Where's Glenn Beck and Tucker Carlson and all these guys? Are they willing to cover it? I've tried to get in touch with them, but nobody on the real big time yet has uh, has has taken me on as a guest. I'll keep trying though. Well, Sheriff Mack, you want to wrap up for us? They they, they don't take me as guests either. Uh, <laughs> Fox News <laughs> won't have me on anymore. Um, <laughs> They keep saying once I said something stupid, so they don't have me back on. I could quote them a lot of people on their shows, including their own anchors that say stupid stuff all the time. But uh, and yesterday, one was Bill O'Reilly. He said we should follow uh, the state of Texas has to follow Biden because the Constitution requires that. And if we don't, then we won't have a Constitution. Bill O'Reilly, you're stupid and you don't know the Constitution. But uh, other than that, I don't have anything else but to there say. Is, there is hope. There is hope for Bill O'Reilly to go to a CSPOA conference and learn. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we might have to invite you to one of those too, Tom. But uh, <laughs> real quick message: get your satellite phone. Sat one twenty three dot com. Satellite, Tom. Go to sat one twenty three dot com and get your satellite phone, and then add Mac fifty to get your fifty dollar discount. Get your satellite phone. Wherever you go, you'll have a phone. No matter where you are, UK, Australia, wherever you're traveling, you'll have communication power, man. SAT123.com, Mac 50. When all comms are down, you will be grateful you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, join the CSPOA posse, CSPOA, CSPOA.org. Thank you, Tom Havlin. We're so grateful for all that you, you have done and that you continue to do. We'll support you all the way. Ladies and gentlemen, we can restore America. Will you help us? CSPOA.org. God save the Republic of the United States of America. The preceding show was sponsored by. The global currency collapse will wipe out the dollar and many other assets. And the, the spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine. The award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. I think that my family has always had a big influence on me for not smoking because since I was little, I was taught that smoking was wrong. Recent studies indicate that smoking among teens often leads to the use of alcohol and other drugs. I think having faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has helped to avoid smoking. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an Immigrant. Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman on your radio. Wow. Governor Greg Abbott, Texas, will continue to hold the line and deploy razor wire. Come and cut it, they say to the feds. Yeah, on Fox News, he literally said, look, we as a state have the right of national, or, I'm sorry, the right of self-defense as a sovereign state. And uh, when the president and the administration is derelict in their duty, we have to pick up the slack. We will. This is a, a showdown. But folks... People are trying to create a convoy to roll to Texas in supposed solidarity and support uh, of Abbott and others. And I think it's a mistake. Okay, I support impeaching Joe Biden. I support getting to the bottom of this border crisis. I support creating accountability. But I'm telling you, I don't believe going down to the border is a convoy. A bunch of truckers, a bunch of bikers, a bunch of Black Lives Matter, a bunch of Antifa, a bunch of communist sympathizers, a bunch of illegals. Uh, some terrorist in nature, uh, you know, the feds, the drug cartels, the, there's so many factions coming together. I don't think that it will go well. And if it does and I'm wrong, it means the government decided not to turn this into a false flag for whatever reason. Maybe they want to uh, get people to protest at other places and make it work. But I'm telling you, the escalation is inevitable with all those factions in the mix, those many of them who want war who want conflict, who want violence. Don't give them the satisfaction. Better yet, to put pressure on your members of Congress, pressure on the President of the United States, pressure on all your officials all over the country to do the right thing and get control of the border. Texas taking the lead and good for them. 25 states are saying we agree with Texas over the general government. That's a huge step in the right direction. Let's weed the people back the proper role of government on this and create accountability for Biden. Hour one of the can, hour two coming up. I am Sam Bushman, lovingliberty.net. Spread the word. God save the Republic of the United States of America. (laughs) 